So we're in the middle of a series about mission or the outward movement of God's love-filled people into the world. The series is called Planning Hope. And so far, we've seen the way that we're called to our local parish or to our neighbors. We've also talked about saying yes to addressing global hunger. Later on in our series, we'll talk about walking with people that are struggling with mental health diagnoses, grief, and injustice. But before we get to the second half of the series, I want to pull this together maybe, just for a little bit, for a bit of a halftime conversation about the inevitable voice that will meet you on the road to where God is calling you. It's the voice that I've contended with for most of my life and certainly when I was considering applying for my job here. And it's a voice that I think has plagued the people of God since the very beginning. Like I said, it's the voice of doubt. Thanks be to God, though, that the voice of doubt doesn't get a monologue. God has given us a response. Now, our reading for today comes from one of those moments of doubt in the lives of the early church. You see, Jesus and his disciples were in the midst of a huge crowd of folks clamoring to get in close with this would-be Messiah. Also in the mix of that group of people were some folks from the community who, well, they would often sow doubt in the calling of the disciples and the people that thought they would choose to follow Jesus. And in our reading, Jesus calls those folks of ill content thieves. The good news we find out is that those that Jesus came to seek and save will hear his voice. They let go of the voices of these thieves of doubt and instead listen to another voice, his voice of truth. This is how he says it in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So friends, today I want to share with you the three words of doubt that the thieves used to steal, kill, and destroy your calling. And the three words of hope, I think, that Jesus gives us in response. And to give our time together some structure and also a human touch, I want to follow the story of a man who went through just such an experience when he was saying yes to God's call in his life. My friend Mark Meyer is a corporate accountant by training and at the time of his God-calling moment was on the wrong side of middle age. So naturally, God decided it would be a great idea for him to be a founder of a student-led, parent-supported, teacher-advised network of faith clubs in local middle and high schools called Campus Faith Clubs. Campus Faith Clubs now has clubs in nearly 100 schools across Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa and is starting even more every single day. 
Now, Prince of Peace has been a financial and ministry partner with Campus Faith Club since 2014. Our students have led clubs, they've facilitated worship events, and they've been members of their on-campus groups. And so for those of you who are listening, who have your hand in the air saying, here I am, God, send me, this story is for you. And so let's start at the beginning in the first word of doubt from the thieves that Jesus was talking about. That word of doubt, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You see, the Bible is filled with stories of God using all the wrong people. You see, Sarah was a senior citizen who had never had a baby. Jesus was a run-of-the-mill kid from Nazareth. Peter was just a fisherman with no formal training. Jesus' followers were the poor, rich tax collectors, curious Greeks and Roman centurions. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Now, the first question on my mind when I opened that job description up back in 2013 from Prince of Peace was exactly that. Jason, who do you think you are? It's the same question that Mark heard when God gave him the dream of founding campus faith clubs. Let's hear from him. Yes, that was exactly the voice I heard when first prompted to pursue youth ministry as a vocation. After all, it really didn't make any sense from a worldly standpoint. I'm a logical person, and it was like, how am I going to be able to support a family of six? I had been in corporate America, and I was a Fortune 100 company for a number of years and had a master's in business administration, and that's what made sense. Who was I to think, for example, I could just step into a career in youth ministry without formal training or a degree in, from the seminary to provide for my family. I was also 44 years old at the time. And how many 44-year-olds pursue a second career in youth ministry? It's not very common. Well, the fact was it didn't make sense, and everybody around me tried to tell me that as well. They said, Mark, this doesn't make sense. It kind of reinforced that, who do you think you are statement. Family, wife, friends, respected church leaders, they all said it doesn't make sense. And especially it doesn't make sense if your family is not behind you. So I ended up laboring for eight years in multiple jobs as I sought God's plan and what made sense. Never found it, and I'm not sure if I ever would have found it. If something didn't happen back in 2005 when I lost my job as a school bus driver. I love that job and the opportunity to provide and see kids and to pour into them on a daily basis. But I lost my job and I'll never forget it. I was devastated. I hit rock bottom. I remember the day vividly. There's more to that story, but after eight years at the time, I remember saying to myself, Lord, okay, I'll stop running. Yes, I will follow you. I stopped saying no. It was almost as if I didn't have a choice but to choose obedience over everything else. Now, how many of you are thinking same right now? Show of hands. You know, we've all been there. We've heard that voice that attacks us right at our foundational sense of who we are. It's a, it's a do not pass go, do not collect $200 kind of message. Like I said earlier, the voice of doubt is drowned out by the voice of truth. Remember, Sarah? She was too old. Jesus was from the wrong town. Peter was a bullheaded tradesman. Jesus' followers have always been the wrong people, but the good news, friends, is that in all of these cases, and in your case too, God isn't calling just anybody. God is calling God's own children. 
In the introduction to his gospel about Jesus, John says this, But to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. And at the end of his gospel, these children are the ones Jesus says will do even greater things. That's you and me, friends. And so when the voice of doubt asks, who do you think you are? There's one response. And it's, I am a child of God. There is no greater qualification and no further qualification needed. So what about the second voice? How is this even possible? Have you ever heard that? Well, not so long ago, I took our family ministry team to a conference in Atlanta. Yeah, we drove the whole way there. Well, while we were there, we heard from a speaker that helps people to come up with ideas. Yeah, that's how he gets paid, seriously. Anyway, one of the lines from his talk that really impacted me and the team was this. He said, when someone comes up with a new audacious idea, resist the urge to how it to death. Instead, spend some time with, wow. Yeah, that means exactly what you think it means. All of your coworkers howing your ideas to death, sinners. I'm just kidding. Maybe. Well, in the early days of listening for God's voice for this new network of school-based faith clubs, Mark heard the how question all the time. Let's hear him tell the story. I guess I'd answer that question from a perspective of, number one, from a business and ministry perspective in the way of an opportunity, and then number two, from a personal uh, perspective in connecting with church leaders and members in the community. The first question that people ask is, how can you do this in public schools? Because you see, we live in a culture that says, you stay on your side of the fence and I'll stay on mine. I just remember at the time being a father of four in the public schools and then coming to learn that three-fourths of all believers who enter sixth grade will stop following Jesus by the time they leave high school. Three and four. This broke my heart and this was the why for starting campus faith clubs. Then having the business mind, it just struck me that there was nobody doing this kind of work in the public schools. And not just because of separation of church and state issues, but you see, it's perfectly legal to hold faith clubs before school. So the reality was there was this opportunity and it presented itself. Now as to the response in the community from church leaders and area leaders and area community folks, the result was mixed and it still is today. I remember distinctly being looked cross-eyed by youth pastors and senior pastors like, is this guy for real? But just for the record, Jason Crammy was not part of that group. He knew it was for, uh, for real from the beginning. But the fact is the response for partnership with local churches was not good. I'd say the favorable responses were maybe one in 10. Thankfully, Prince of Peace was one of those churches. I remember a friend of mine who was on my board of directors at the time saying, Mark, this is exactly what Prince of Peace is all about, reaching our community with the love of Christ in the mission field. I also remember talking with another pastor from another church saying, Mark, we need this ministry. This is the perfect challenge and perfect fit for a parachurch like Campus Faith Clubs. And I think he said this because he knew that this mission was broad and it represented the capital C church, not just a single denomination. To conclude, at first it was really difficult to meet up with resistance uh, from area church leaders. In fact, many from my home church. I was really saddened. 
But God's so good, he provides hope and encouragement with the broad capital C of church, the body of all believers, these believers that come in the form of friends and parents and area church leaders, school teachers, many of whom are right here at Prince of Peace, too many to mention, but you know who you are. You know what's interesting? There's also this pull effect that happens. As some of the believers come alongside us and has, as they have come alongside us, it's had the effect to pull the leadership in the organized church along with them as well. It's almost as if God is saying, people, stand up and lead. Don't wait for leadership. Kind of cool. Did you hear that? Mark didn't get asked how once. He got asked how a whole bunch of times. And he could have quit, but he didn't. You know, what makes it worth it to Mark and to God in the end, whenever we choose to say yes, isn't that we're successful all the time. It's that we walk by faith. And so when somebody asks, when the voice of doubt asks, how is this going to happen? Simply respond, by faith. Now here's that third voice. What if you fail? One of the core breakdowns between Jesus and his disciples, and that includes us, is that in order to really respond to God's call on our story, something has to fail, or as Jesus puts it, has to die. You know, it might be the model you had in your mind for how it all would work. It might be <laughs> your ego or your unwillingness to let other people lead. It might be your resentment for the people causing the problem that you're trying to solve. Ever been there? Well, Mark certainly had moments where failure was a possibility. Let's hear from him. Now, that's an interesting question. On one level, this was very real. I lived it. And honestly, I still kind of live it today. I remember at the time thinking, how in the heck am I going to provide for my family? I still think about it today. Are there going to be donors that are going to support the ministry? Where is this going to be long term? Or is this just a flash in the pan? But I've come to learn that this is just the enemy's drive to have me focus on me and what I can do rather than him and what he's doing. I remember thinking back in 2007 that uh, I needed to do this to pursue CFC, not because of what I'm going to get out of it, a salary, personal satisfaction or whatever, but because I need to. I need to be obedient. Nothing more. That fact still remains today. If it fails, it's okay. Because you see, as my friend used to say and does say, God didn't call us to be successful. He called us to be obedient. So as we heard, failure is often part of the process. But if we can hold failure and faithfulness together, well, then we can put ourselves in a situation to hear our final response. What happens if you succeed? You know, I think that this is a response or a mindset that every farmer who has ever planted a seed has had to claim. You know, what if it grows in spite of the weeds, in spite of the droughts, in spite of the bugs, in spite of whatever could steal away this seed, the farmer has to ask, what if it grows? What if it succeeds? Friends, we've been called by God into mission to be a love-filled people moving throughout the world, planting hope, seeds of hope, wherever we go. And like Mark has managed to do and continues to do for all of these many years, we are called to let go of the voice of doubt so that we can claim the voice of truth, which tells us that we are a child of God, that encourages us to walk by faith, and above all else, to wonder what might happen if we succeed. And so I wonder for you, what's the voice of truth 
you need to hear today. That you're a child of God, to walk by faith, to ask what happens if you succeed. Well, as you lean into that question, let the words of this song sink in. The song's called The Voice of Truth, and I hope it finds a space in your heart today. Stay. 